0: This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love, so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a Coco Mocha Signature Latte, or make them swoon with a Strawberry Dragon Fruit Dunkin' Refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary, limited time offer. Hi there, and welcome to our podcast. And this week at London Visited, we go to Spitalfields to tell you all about this iconic part of London. My name is Steve and each week I'll bring to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you've been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now to this week's podcast. The name Spitalfields appears in the form Spitalland in 1399 and a Spitalfield, on the woodcut map of London circa 1561, and as Spitalfields also in 1561. The land belonged to St Mary Spital, or Priory or Hospital, a lodging for travellers run by a religious order, erected on the side of Bishopsgate thoroughfare in 1197, which from its name is thought to derive. An alternative and possibly earlier name for the area was Lulsworth. The area that is Spitalfields was covered with fields and nursery gardens until the late 17th century, when streets were laid out for Irish and Hungert silk weavers. The Romans had a cemetery to the east of the Bishopsgate thoroughfare, which roughly follows the line of Ermine Street. The main highway to the north from Londinium, the cemetery was noticed by the antiquarian John Stowe in 1576 and was the focus of a major archaeological excavation in the 1990s, following the redevelopment of Spitalfield's market. In 2013, lead isotope analysis of tooth enamel by Dr. Janet Montgomery of Durham University led to the identification of the first person from Rome known to have been buried in Britain. She was a 25-year-old woman who was buried in a lead-lined stone sarcophagus with unique jet and intricate glass grave goods around the middle of the 4th century AD. In 1197, a priory, the new hospital of St. Mary without Bishopsgate, latterly known as St. Mary Spital, founded by Walter Burnus and his wife Rosanna, was built on the site of the cemetery. It was one of the biggest hospitals in medieval England and had a large medieval cemetery with a stone charnel house and mortuary chapel. The chapel has been uncovered by archaeologists and preserved for public viewing. The Priory and Hospital were dissolved in 1539 under Henry VIII. Although the chapel and monastic buildings were mostly demolished, the area of inner precinct of the Priory maintained an autonomous administrative status as the Liberty of Norton Folgate. The adjacent outer precincts, to the south, were reused as an artillery ground and placed under the special jurisdiction of the Tower of London as one of its Tower Liberties. Other parts of the Priory area were used for residential purposes by London dwellers seeking a rural retreat, and by the mid-17th century, further development extended eastward to the erstwhile open farmland of the Spitalfield. In 1729, Spitalfields was detached from the parish of Stepney, becoming as a parish, with vestry, with two churches, Christchurch Spitalfields and St Stephen's Spitalfields. The Church of St. Stephen Spitterfields was built in 1860 by public subscription but was demolished in 1930. The adjacent vicarage is all that remains. Spitterfields became part of the Metropolitan Borough of Stepney in 1900 and was abolished as a civil parish in 1921. It became part of the London Borough of Tower Hamlet in 1965. Spitterfields' historic association with the silk industry was established by French Protestant Hungard refugees who settled in the area after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes in 1685. By settling outside the bounds of the city of London, they hoped to avoid the restrictive legislation of the city guilds. The Hungards brought with them little apart from their skills, and an order in council of the 16th of April 1687 raised £200,000 to relieve their poverty. In December 1687, the first report of the committee set up to administer the funds reported that 13,050 French refugees were settled in London, primarily around Spitalfields, but also in the nearby settlements of Bethnal Green, Shoreditch, Whitechapel, and Mile End New Town. The late 17th and 18th century saw an estate of well-appointed terraced houses, built to accommodate the master weavers controlling the silk industry. And grand urban mansions built around the newly created Bishop Square, which adjoins the short section of the main east-west street known as Spital Square. Christchurch Spitalfields on Fournier Street, designated by the architect Nicholas Hawksmoor, was built during the reign of Queen Anne to demonstrate the power of the established church to the dissenting Hungals, who had built ten chapels in the area. More humble weaver dwellings were congregated in the tender ground. The Spitalfields Mathematical Society was established in 1717. In 1846, it merged with the Royal Astronomical Society. Spitalfields Market was established in 1638 when Charles I gave a license for flesh, fowl, and roots to be sold in what was then known as Spitalfields. The market currently receives around 25,000 visitors every week. Hongnorts of Spitalfields is a registered charity promoting public understanding of their Honggol heritage and culture in Spitalfields, the City of London and beyond. They arrange tours, talks, events and schools programs to raise the Honggol profile in Spitalfields and to raise funds for a permanent memorial to the Hongnorts. From the 1730s Irish weavers came, after a decline in the Irish linen industry, to take up work in the silk trade. The 18th century saw periodic crises in the silk industry, brought on by the imports of French silk, in a lull between the wars between the two rivals and imports of printed calicoes. The depression in the trade and the prices paid to the weavers led to protests. In 1769, the Spitalfield riots occurred when attempts were made to disperse protest meetings by weavers during the downturn in the market for silk. The riots ended in an Irish and hungold weaver being hanged in front of the Salmon and Ball public house at Bethnal Green. Price controls on amounts master weavers could pay journeymen for each piece were established, removing incentives to pay higher wages during good times. During bad times, workers had no work. As the price was per piece, there was no incentive for using machinery, as the master would have to pay for the machine and still pay the same price per piece to journeymen. By 1822, labor rates were so above market labor rates that much of the employment in the silk manufacture had moved away. Remaining manufacturer focused on expensive fashion items, which required proximity to court and had higher margins. By the Victorian era, the silk industry had entered a long decline and the old merchant dwellings had degenerated into multi-occupied slums. Spitterfields became the byword for urban deprivation and, by 1832, Concern about a London cholera epidemic led to The Poor Man's Guardian to write of Spitalfields, The low houses are all huddled together in close and dark lanes and alleys, presenting at first sight an appearance of non-habitation. So dilapidated are the doors and windows. In every room of the houses, whole families, parents, children and aged grandfathers swarm together. In 1860, a treaty with France allowed the import of cheaper French silks. This left the many weavers in spitalfields and neighbouring Bethnal Green and Shoreditch indigent. New trades such as furniture and bootmaking came into the area and the large windowed Hurger houses were found suitable for tailoring, attracting a new population of Jewish refugees drawn to live and work in the textile industry. By the later 19th century, inner spitalfields became known as the worst criminal rookery in London and the common lodging houses in the Flower and Dean Street area were a focus for activities of robbers and pimps. In 1881, Flower and Dean Street was described as being, perhaps the foulest and most dangerous street in the metropolis. Another claimant to the distinction of being the worst street in London was Dorset Street, which was highlighted by the brutal killing and mutilation of a young woman, Mary Jane Kelly, in her lodgings here by the serial killer Jack the Ripper, in autumn of 1888. The murder was the climax of a series of murders that became known as the Whitechapel Murders. The renewed focus on the area's poverty helped prompt the decision to demolish some local slums in 1891-94. to Deprivation continued and was brought to notice by social commentators such as Jack London in his People of the Abyss in 1903. He highlighted Itchy Park next to Christchurch, Spitalfields as a notorious rendezvous for homeless people. In the late 20th century, the Jewish presence diminished and was replaced by an influx of Bangladeshi immigrants who also worked by the local textile industry and made Brick Lane the curry capital of London. By 1981, at least 60% of households were of minority ethnic origin. Another development from the 1960s onwards has been a campaign to save the housing stock of old merchant terraces west of Brick Lane from demolition. Many have been conserved by the Spitalfield's Historic Buildings Trust, which has led to gentrification and a large increase in property prices. In the 21st century, large modern office blocks were built between Bishopsgate and Spitalfields Market. These represent an expansion of the City of London northwards. A rearguard action, contravailing planning policies insisted on by conservationists, resulted in a preservation of Old Spitalfields Market and the provision of shopping, leisure amenities, and a plaza, Urban Square, beside the blocks. Permission was granted to demolish the Fruit and Wool Exchange on the edge of Old Spitalfields Market to provide office buildings by developer Exemplar. In 2014, the disused Shoreditch tube station was used as a pop-up cinema. In summer, the auditorium was furnished with six-person hot tubs from which to watch the films while in winter the concept was Bring Your Own Pillow to use on beanbag-style beds. In September 2015, a demonstration against gentrification in London took the form of a protest at Serial Killer Café a hipster café on Brick Lane which served cereal, which has only just recently closed in March 2021. In April 2016, the London Borough of Tower Hamlets approved and designated the Spitalfields Neighbourhood Planning Forum to monitor and enhance local planning policies. This included the transfer of Brick Lane Market into Spitalfields from Bethnal Green. Spitalfields has a very strong sense of local community. With the Spitalfields community group aiming to represent the people, Who both live and work. This is to build a better sense of community as well as improve the quality of life of its members and their neighbours in Spitalfields, and the Spitalfields Music who strengthen the community through musical events. The Spitalfields Housing Association also works closely with residents by providing good quality community services. A community garden, Nomadic Community Gardens is a social project based in an area once fenced off and overgrown and is popular among a diverse range of people, such as locals without gardens, and is made up of found materials, street art, sculpture, and allotments. The economic makeup of Spitalfields is primarily centered around its four marketplaces. Old Spitalfields Market is the main one where traders sell antiques, food and fashion items, while Petticoat Lane Market mainly sells general clothing. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at Spitalfields. Whatever podcast service you use to listen to this, please do subscribe to get updates on new shows and also please leave us some feedback. Please also let me know any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts. And you can let me know through our website www.londonvisited.co.uk by emailing me directly on londonvisited.gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram on at London Visited or Facebook on at The London Visited. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon in the next one. Bye.